Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to have you with us. And as Leona said, we are in a series that we are calling Reclaiming the Rainbow, where we're examining the difference between pride and promise looking at the difference between pride and promise. And really, uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, I would encourage you very strongly to go back and listen to that either on the podcast or check it out on YouTube because we spent time looking at the foundation, building this strong foundation about what it is that we're actually doing here. And where we landed was that this series is a series, this is a series for the church, right? This is not a socio-political commentary. This is not a philosophical debate. That actually what we're doing here is recognising that there, there is a movement in our world, but as the church, we're not called to judge the world, we're called to love the world. And we are called to be a light unto the world. We're called to be salt and light, uh, but we are called to hold the church to account. That actually we do have a voice to hold the church to account. And when things start to creep into the church, when lies start to creep into the church, when the church starts calling sin righteousness and righteousness sin, we have an issue. And so what we need to do is very boldly and humbly come and declare the truth that the church would know the truth so the truth would set us free. That we'd walk in the truth and in so doing become the light that God has called us to be in the world. This is not about bigotry, it's not about a pharisaical philosophy, it's not about standing up on a pedestal and speaking down to anybody. No, 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 no. We come with trembling, we come with great humility, we come with love, but we recognise that love requires truth. And so we speak the truth in love that we might go and offer hope to a world that so desperately needs it. Amen. That's what this series is all about. Uh, And what we saw last week in a really quick kind of summary of (laughs) about an hour's worth of content, trying to summarise that in, in one or two sentences for you as we begin this. So this series is about pride, right? The series is about pride. Pride is the heart of the rainbow movement. And we need to understand that while the rainbow movement is being driven by the LGBTQ plus activism, it's not limited to that, right? Like pride is sin crouching at the door of every single human heart, every single human heart. The reason we need to speak into it though is that this six coloured flag, we talked about that last week, six being the number of man, doing it man's way, This six coloured rainbow flag uh, and the engine that is mainstream media is driving this agenda. And now pride is being paraded around our world as something to be celebrated, applauded and championed. And we're seeing it in the church. And so the church needs to speak because we need to understand that pride in all its forms is an affront to a holy God. You say, Dave, you're two minutes in and jeepers, it's heavy in here already. But that's what this series is gonna be about. So we need to speak, not to condemn or throw stones, but to teach. 
to help understand what the Bible has to say about pride, what its roots are, what the spirit behind it is, what it does to humanity and to boldly stand and declare the better word that Jesus speaks in and through the gospel and declare that promise that there is a promise not just to the church, but to all of humanity, that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And there's a magpie who's worshipping the Lord in flight as we're doing this. So here's, here's my summary. Pride was birthed through the believing of a lie and the rejection of a promise. And therefore, last week we learned that at its core, human pride is something that is contrary, directly contrary to the heart of God. Because human pride is about subversion, whereas the life that God offers is found in submission. Pride leads to death, but the promise of God leads to life. So how can we affirm pride when we're called to be a people of promise? God is for life. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it to the full. We cannot affirm and celebrate something that causes people to walk in death. It doesn't mean that we condemn those people and kick them out. That doesn't make any sense. No, it means we embrace people. We love them. We bring them in. We say, hey, you're welcome here, but we're not gonna leave you where we found you. That Jesus comes and meets you where you're at, but He does not leave you where He found you. He brings transformation and change. Hence our mission statement. Transformation into the fullness of life that He bought for us on the cross. That's last week's summary. And one of the things we spent a moment looking at is really recognising that Genesis 1 through, really Genesis 1 through 3, but Genesis 1, probably to 11, really has all the answers. (laughs) Like the beginning of Genesis is incredible. And so what we're going to do is we're sitting for the majority of this series, we're going to sit in Genesis, sit in those first few chapters of Genesis and unpack what it has to say. And as a part of that, we'll dive all around the Word. But that's where we're gonna go today. And what we see is that human beings have an adversary. That there is spiritual forces. We're gonna look at this more deeply in a couple of weeks' time. But there is an enemy, the devil, Satan, the prince of this world, whatever you wanna call him. He is real and he hates humanity. We gotta understand that the reason he hates humanity is because of the identity of humanity. You see, the reason Satan fell from heaven, he was Lucifer, the reason he fell from heaven was because of what? Pride. This is Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. It talks about that he fell because of pride. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshipped as God. And he saw that, he he looked at God and said, I want to be subversive, I don't wanna be submissive. Pride is at the core of the enemy's heart. And so he fell from heaven and then he sees humanity. And what does he discover in humanity? Try not to look at the magpie. I feel like a classroom teacher where there's something going on outside the window and everyone's like, what's going on out there? I've lost my train of thought. You see, 
the enemy fell and, and pride and he saw in humans the image of God, right? And so what happens is, is this is the one thing he wanted to be God. And so when he sees human beings in the image of God, the one thing he wants to do is destroy that image. He wants to destroy that identity in human beings because we are the very thing that he desired to be and could not be. And so the goal is to destroy them. And in so doing, if you can destroy the image of God identity in humanity, if you can remove the image of God understanding at the heart of humanity, then you can get them to reject the one who put that image in them. And if he can get humanity to reject relationship with the living holy God, then he can actually be worshipped and in so doing, establish himself as a God over humanity. How'd you go with that? He desires to be worshipped. And in order to be worshipped, he has to destroy the image of God in humanity. And so what we said, this is, and the heart of that is pride. And so what we said last week is that pride leads to death. The reason it leads to death is because it does three things. It destroys identity it destroys innocence and it produces idolatry. That's what we're gonna look at the next three weeks. Identity, innocence and idolatry. Today, we're looking at identity in a message I'm calling identity theft. Because Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Steal identity, kill innocence and destroy true worship through idolatry. Who's excited about where we're going? So today we come, we look at identity, identity theft. I need to pray. Would you stand with me? Because if this is my words, we're all in trouble today. It's gotta be Him. Lord, speak. Holy Spirit, come. We recognise this is a heavy topic for a Sunday morning, but a vital and necessary topic for the church to address. Lord, we come in humility. We don't wanna be coming across as self-righteous, bigoted, hateful, because pride is knocking at the door of each and every one of our hearts in all sorts of different ways. And so we come, Lord, and we say, expose pride in us, Renew our hearts, renew our minds, restore the true identity that you gave us at the creation of the world, that we would know who we are. And in so doing, declare the goodness of your grace and your mercy and your promise that there is one who redeems and restores to the world. We surrender ourselves to you. We surrender this preaching moment to you. Lord, let us focus, let us learn. But most importantly, Holy Spirit, bring this word and make it alive in our hearts, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. Great, so let's go to Genesis chapter one. That was a way shorter intro than last week. I'm feeling, feeling positive about that. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and then we're gonna jump over to Genesis chapter 3 from 1 to 11. I'm reading from the NIV. And already I'm gonna change it. We're gonna go one, we'll start at 26. (laughs) Then God said, let us make mankind, human beings, in our image. Everyone say, in our image. In our likeness. So He repeats Himself. When the Bible repeats itself, it's emphasising something really important. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, watch this, underline this, so that they may rule. Let us make them in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock of all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what did God do? He created mankind, humanity, in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Repeat, it's important. You know, if you're, if you're creating something, you're creating a human race and there's instructions that you want that human race to get, or if you're writing a book and there's really important things that you want your your readers to understand, your audience to understand, you're gonna put those important things right at the beginning. And it's in the very first chapter that God declares something of the image of human beings that we are made in His image and He declares it four times in the first chapter. Because it matters because it's really, really important. You could say because He knows that the attack against humanity for the rest of human history is going to be in this area. And then He says, male and female, He created them. Two genders, male and female, He created them. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the whole earth and on it goes. Chapter three. Verse one, now the serpent, which is the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, underline that. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat Fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will certainly die. Verse four, you will not certainly die, said the serpent to the woman. Oh, he's a crafty old thing. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Underline that, knowing good and evil. We're gonna underline a whole lot over the next few weeks in the book of Genesis. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realised they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you, you were naked? Who told you, you were naked? I have spent so much time over, particularly the last couple of years as this message has been brewing more and more and more, contemplating and wondering 
How the heck did Adam and Eve fall? How do you get two people living in perfect, wonderful, glorious union with God, the Creator of all things, where there's no shame, there's no pain, there's only beauty and goodness because the creation story says it is good. That's all that exists. How do you get them to fall? How do you get them to forsake the Creator that they might become something less than what He created them to be? How does that happen? Pride. How does it happen? It happens with pride. And I've got to be honest to you, as I've studied this and sat with this, there's a television show that keeps coming to mind. Does anyone here watch Would I Lie to You? So, so you've got to, sometimes in life, sometimes in life it's good, it's good to have a moment where you just switch your brain off and just enjoy just a moment of not having to think too much. There's this great show called Would I Lie To You? It's just a bunch of comedians who sit across from one another, one, another, very, uh, one guy uh, by the name of Bob Mortimer is probably my favourite character who is hilarious. And then another guy called David Mitchell, who's very, very smart, sits on the other side. And basically what happens is they get given a a card which has a phrase on it. Now that phrase could be true of that person or it could be a lie. And the goal is that the person will pick up the card, they'll read it and they have to convince the other team. If it's true, they have to get them to believe that it's a lie. But if it's a lie, they have to get them to believe that it's true. And there's this bloke called Bob Mortimer who is hilarious. And he is so, so, so clever. And without fail, almost every time he gets the other guys to believe. And David Mitchell studied at Oxford. He's a really bright guy, right? And there's this one episode, which was absolutely hilarious, where the thing said, uh, basically that I have a bath each night with a raw egg. And he tells this elaborate story about how he was with a friend who happened to be some sort of musician. And then one day he came back after spending time with his friend. His friend ran him a bath and cracked an egg in there and he had a bath and that led to him doing that daily because he loved having an egg in his bath. Like the most ridiculous story, right? But at the end of it, David Mitchell goes, I, like says, I think he's telling the truth. So he says true and Bob goes, it was a lie. And then David Mitchell does this hilarious thing. He's like, of course it was a lie. Of course it was like he's carrying on. Of course, like how could I possibly believe that a growing man would run another growing man a bath and crack an egg in it? (laughs) And he just goes on this hilarious rant. And I was thinking, how does he get him to believe that? And the reason Bob is so good at it is because he is the master at mixing truth with lie. Bob never just flat out lies and he never just flat out tells the truth. He'll keep the main ideas there, but he's so, so brilliant at weaving, and if it's a lie, at weaving in believable things, truthful things into the grand story so that people go, maybe that is the truth. And if it's true, he's so, so good at sowing in ridiculous things that people go, he can't possibly be telling the truth. We have to understand that the most 
Deceptive lies are always laced in truth. There is nothing more dangerous than a half truth. And if it's true for Bob Mortimer and David Mitchell, then it's certainly true for the way that the devil would seek to destroy identity in human beings. And when you come to Genesis chapter three, what you're gonna see is the crafty old serpent spinning three half-truths Bless you, brother. (laughs) He's a Port Adelaide fan, so it's okay. (laughs) You see three half-truths. And what we're gonna see is how do you destroy identity? How do you seek to remove the image of God reality from people's lives? How do you bring about and affect that change? Three areas we're gonna see. The first thing is that you've gotta sow doubt. The second thing is you cast a lie about dominion. And the third thing is you cast a lie about desire as those three things pertain to identity. Let's go there. We'll work our way through it. First and foremost, doubt. Verse one, chapter three. Did God really say? What's he doing? twisting the truth. Did God really say? It's sowing and seeding doubt. And I love how Eve responds because at first Eve stands on the word. And she says, no, God didn't say that. She stands firm. Then he comes back with another half truth. He says, you will not surely die, which is a lie because God has clearly said that. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the thing. They already were like God. They were created in His image and they already did know good and evil because everything in the garden was good except for that one tree, which God had already told them was evil. And so they live in this space where they're like, I am in the image of God. I know good from evil. It's all good except for that thing. To disobey God is evil, everything else. If I'm in His will, it's good. That was the reality. And He brings this, He goes, hey, if you eat this, then you'll be like this. They already were like that without having to eat that. It's a half truth. And so He spins this and says, right from the beginning, pride can come in. Take this and you can be this. And so it begins to cast doubt. What is he casting doubt on? It's casting doubt on the character of God. Did God say? What it is is saying, God's holding out on you. God doesn't actually care for you. I've sat on a lot of panels in my lifetime uh, at various youth camps, young and old events, various conferences around life's toughest questions. And one of the things that will always come up is how do you know God exists? Do you know what my response to that question is every time? You're asking the wrong question. The question you're really asking is, does God care? Because if God exists, but doesn't care about humanity, then it doesn't matter. 
If God exists and human beings care more for human beings than He does, then what does it matter if we serve Him or not? It's irrelevant because He doesn't care anyway. So we'll go on with our life. But if God cares for humanity, then we actually have to take Him seriously. And the the doubt that the enemy wants to sow is that God doesn't care about you and therefore you care more about others than He does. And in so doing, in casting that doubt, what He's doing is getting you to doubt the authenticity and integrity of His Word. And if He can get humanity to doubt the authenticity and the integrity of Word, which reveals His character as good, then He's well on the way to being able to sow some lies and destroy that image of God identity. Because if God is not good, then we should be God. Did you hear that? Even if we're made in God's image and He is not good, then we wanna get rid of Him and we wanna be God. So he sows this lie. And here's what I want you to understand. In so, thank you, mate. Amen. I'm hearing you. So he sows this lie, which initially they refute and then they start to buy into it. Friends, can you see this same doubt creeping into society today? Can you see how pride is bringing that same doubt in society today? You know, when you start to erode truth, when you start to say that there is no such thing as objective truth, when you start to say that there is no external authority, when you start to say that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and let's just get on with living our lives, then all of a sudden you can begin to steal human identity. When you start to tell human beings that they're nothing more than a highly evolved single cell amoeba and you start to put that into this education system, teach it in schools and teach it in universities. When you start to remove the fact that, no, no, you are made in the image of God. You can stand firm on the Word of God. God's Word is reliable and trustworthy. And if you eradicate that from society and you teach from the very young age, there is no purpose to your life because you're just evolved. There is no reason for you to be living and breathing other than the fact that you just happen to be here. Then why would I, why would I seek to love and serve the lost? Why not survival of the fittest? Why not just do whatever I can to achieve my own gain? It begins with pride and it begins by casting dispersions on the truth of God. And as we eradicate truth and see doubt, we can, He can start to get in and tear away at the image of God, identity and humanity. And so you see that this begins to happen. Did God really say truth begins to be removed and then he sows the next lie, which is that lie around dominion. Same passage. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, he's sowing something here that is so, so interesting. 
Because one, yes, it's getting us to begin to doubt the character and the goodness of God and His intentions for humanity. Two, it's making her believe, it's sowing this thing of, well, you can be your own God, which is about power and dominion. You see, pride comes along and says, I crave dominion over my life. Pride wants to set itself up as God and determine for itself what is right and wrong. Pride is subversive to the authority of God. It says, I will choose that for myself. And so what we begin to see again in society today, what we begin to see is that people will seek to fill that cup because I'm no longer made in the image of God. I no longer can stand on the Word of God. And we talked about this a bit last week. Therefore, in order to fill that cup, there's two things that I need to now fill. I need to fill the call of God to rule because we were created to do what? To have dominion over the earth. And so all of a sudden, instead of seeing that dominion under the hand of God and therefore my calling is to serve, my, commit, my, my calling is to be a steward of what He has given me, we begin to believe that my identity in order to feel good about myself, in order to have worth and to have value, therefore I must, I've got to rule something, but I've got to rule it my way. And as we begin to rule things our way instead of God's way, this is where we see poverty start to come into the world. This is where we start to see use and abuse come into the world. This is where we start to see the feudal system that we call high school come into our world. Where 15 year olds will not talk to another 15 year old just because in not talking to them, I feel better about myself because I actually don't know who I am. And in order to feel good about myself, I have to make someone else feel bad about themselves. But if I know who I am, if I'm standing on that truth and I know I have the image of God identity, then it doesn't matter if that person looks weird, sounds weird, is strange. I can love them, I can serve them, I can say hello to anyone, I can care for anyone because my identity is not shaped by my dominion. My identity is shaped that I'm made in the image of God. And it's not just in high schools, it's all over, it's in workplaces. People are constantly lauding themselves over others so that they have a sense of identity and purpose. We climb ladders at the expense of other people so that I have a sense of identity. My identity is now in what I do, not in who I am. That's what pride does. Pride says your identity is now in your dominion not that dominion flows out of your identity. And so I wanna lord my life over another. And in so doing, watch this, we actually begin to steal, kill and destroy others. We become like the one who sowed the lie in the first place. I'm just gonna give you a second to let that land. 
pride does not conform us to the image of Christ. Pride conforms us to the image of the devil. And in so doing, it leads to death. And then the third thing we see is not just dominion, but desire. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She took some and ate it. The lie of pride says you should have what you desire because what you desire is good. And last week we talked about the whole idea of value and identity and we talked about this little loop where human beings are made in the image of God, yeah? And when we know that, when we understand that we're made in the image of God, we recognise that our value comes from that reality, that we're actually created with eternity in our hearts to understand that our value comes because we are His. So value is the overflow of identity. But when you remove image of God identity, we're still craving value. And so when we begin to fill up value in other things like dominion and desire, then we begin to believe that what we value, well, where our value comes from is our identity because the two are intrinsically linked. So we begin to say, not that I have value because I'm made in the image of God. We begin to say, well, therefore, if I find value in my desires and doing these things or in what I have, therefore those things are my identity. Lady Gaga said it best. Yep, I'm quoting her in church. (laughs) Massive hit song written in 2011 titled Born This Way. Anyone heard it? Listen to this, a different lover is not a sin. Believe, capital H-I-M, hey, hey, hey. I love my life, I love this record. And mi amore, voila fair ya, which means, do you understand me? (laughs) I'm beautiful in my way, because God makes no mistake. Oh guys, get this. This is the lie of pride that's sweeping across the world. I'm beautiful in my way. Because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself and you're set. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. No matter gay, straight or bi, lesbian, transgender life. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. No matter black, white or beige, chola or orient made. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to be brave. I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in regret, just love yourself and you're set. I'm on the right track, baby, I was born this way. There ain't no other way. Baby, I was born this way. There ain't no other way, baby, I was born this way. Friends, this is the lie of pride. What pride does is it sows this lie that you are your desires, that you are what you feel. And if God made you that way, 
then why would He not want you to embrace the things you feel? If God truly made you that way, if you were born that way, what kind of a sick, vindictive God would therefore prevent you or say that's not good for you and wanna hold you back from the things that you desire? But you know, the fascinating thing about that is that in and of itself is a half truth. The truth is God makes no mistakes. The lie is, therefore do what you feel. And here's where we need to come to the promise. Because the promise of God is that God makes no mistakes, but we do. The promise of God was if you take, if you buy into pride, you will surely die. It's what theologians call original sin. The promise of God is when we take for ourselves, when we do it our own way, death comes to humanity. And therefore death has come to us all. Psalm 51 talks about that surely I was steeped in sin from my mother's birth. That actually, yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in the image of the loving God. He does love you as you are. Yes, He created you and He knit you together and He knows the word that is on your tongue before you speak it. But that doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means that all of us are born into sin. This is why Jesus came and He said, unless you are born again, you will not inherit the Kingdom of God. Jesus Himself didn't come and just say, yeah, anything goes. No, He actually said even to the Pharisees who were the most righteous of all people, He said, everyone has to be born again. Your identity is not in your desire. Your identity is not in what you feel. Yes, you might feel that. Yes, you might even believe that you were born that way, but it's not about what, how you were born. It's about the fact that you can be born again. Every one of us can be born again. This is the sin of the world. This is what we see in Genesis 3, that death has come to us all. What happens to Adam and Eve when they take by into pride? Death and destruction, Cain and Abel. Death and destruction, what happens to humanity? This downward spiral all the way to the flood. Death and destruction. What's happening today is we buy into it. Listen to this, everyone listen to this. This is really important. We have to understand in recent studies in the UK and Australia, over half the LGBTQ plus community surveyed had suffered or was suffering from depression or anxiety. Almost 70% of transgender confused people, trans and gender confused people had suicidal ideation or attempted suicide in the last 12 months. 70%. That is up 50% from 2022. Friends, despite the fact that that community is being more affirmed, more championed, more promoted than it has ever been in all of human history, things are getting worse, not better. And I just wonder if maybe the more we actually celebrate pride, the more it is eroding the foundation of truth and identity we have in Christ and the more destruction it's bringing. But friends, it's not just limited, as we said, to the LGB plus community, right? Pride has removed the foundation of truth and identity for the vast majority of Australians. 
for the vast majority of the Western world. So regardless of sexual orientation of gender, Pride is leading to mental health that has shifted so significantly in the last 50 years that over 40% of Aussies have experienced depression or anxiety in a lifetime. 40%. Last year, our government spent $9 billion on mental health. You're looking at me like, oh yeah, $9 billion on mental health. It didn't get any better. It's not getting any better. Why? Because the solution is not in the plans of man. The solution is not in our efforts. The solution is not in more self-awareness or more mindfulness. The issue is spiritual death. That's the issue because Genesis 2.17 told us that. That when we buy into pride, when we believe in pride, when we live in that way, death will come to us all because pride destroys identity. But here's the good bit. The promise of God redeems it. When identity is destroyed, meaning and purpose become pride-driven, not truth-driven, and it tears at the heart of what it means to be human. We cannot trust our emotions. Jeremiah 17, nine to 10 says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out, but I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Friends, pride says you were born this way, embrace it. The promise of God says you were born into sin, but in Jesus, God has embraced you. You didn't, that didn't land well enough because I said amen out loud when that came out on the paper. Pride says you were born this way, embrace it. The promise says you were born into sin, but in Jesus, God has embraced you. So be born again. Don't let the lie of pride feed doubt and make you live for dominion and desire. Let the promise of God redeem it. What do we see in the promise of God? Ben, you can come up and we're gonna close. What do we see in the promise of God? One, we see an assurance that God is good. Whereas pride seeks to cast doubt that God is good, where pride seeks to make us doubt the integrity of the Word of God, the promise of Jesus, the Gospel, declares abundantly to all of humanity for all of time that God is good. How do we know? Because greater love has no one than this that they lay down their life for their friends. That Jesus did not, in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled Himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. And so now God has exalted Him and lifted Him up. That God is good. God has come for humanity. God has done the work. Amen. He has proven Himself to be true, that in the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Christ, all of the prophets are fulfilled. Therefore proving without any shadow of a doubt that the Word of God is trustworthy and reliable, that we can stand on this. 
not to use it to throw stones, but to declare the promise that there is a better way that Jesus speaks a better word, that the pride that the world is chasing is not leading to life. It's not. It might make you feel good for a moment, but it is leading to death. Look at the statistics. Come back to the truth. Friends, do you know there was a study done just recently at the University of Queensland. It surveyed almost 500,000 people not surveyed, tested. It was a genetic test. Over 500,000 people. Do you know what it discovered? That there is no genetic link to sexuality. You know, it's fascinating to me right now, and even Lady Gaga did it, we conflate, that's a big word. Conflate means to blend together race and sexuality. And we put them in the same box. We say it's the same thing. It's not. Race is genetic. Sexuality, there's a whole lot of evidence out there to suggest that it has all sociological links. There's a whole lot of stuff, incredible, interesting research about where it comes from, but it's not genetic. But right now, do you know what? Do you know what? Psychologists, secular psychologists are trying to tell us, they're trying to tell us that race is now a social construct and sexuality is genetic. What is that? It's a lie. A lie designed to destroy image of God that pride might come in so that humanity would reject the one who made it promise of God comes and says, you are made in my image. I love you. I've come for you. I've even died for you. There is no pride in the promise, only humble submission to a God who did not set Himself up. When Satan tempted Him, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Remember, Satan came at Him with the same temptation of dominion, didn't he? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I've come to die for a people that I love. Church, don't buy into the lie of dominion. Don't allow yourself to put yourself above anyone else, but He has come to seek and save. He has come to serve. We have been called because we know who we are to serve. To serve. That's the promise of God. God invites us to serve. And lastly, the promise of God doesn't say you are your desires. It doesn't leave us saying, yeah, do whatever the heck you wanna do. I love you, do whatever the heck you wanna do. No, the promise of God comes and says, life is found in dying to your desires. And I realise that's a very difficult word because there are people, even in this room right now, who are same-sex attracted. There are people in this room right now who are addicted to pornography. There are people in this room right now who struggle with greed. There are people in this room right now who struggle with a whole host of things, all of us. But the promise of God is I have come that you might have life. Die to those desires. Those desires will not define you. 
They don't need to define you. Let my blood define you. Love is not doing whatever you wanna do. Love is not universal acceptance of all things. Love is red. Love is the one who would come and die to himself so that we could know even in our struggles, even when we stumble, even when we fall, even when we make mistakes, if our heart's desire is Him and not ourselves, we walk in the fullness of life, that there is forgiveness. That's why the early church preachers said, repent. It was a call to repentance. It was a call to our knees. It was a call to lay down our desires. That's what the phrase, pick up your cross and follow me. Every single human being has a cross to bear church. Did you know that? Do you know that? The Christian life is not a life to comfort. It's not a call to comfort, it's a call to a cross. The lie of pride is a call to comfort. Comfort has become the God of the age. God calls us to a cross, but we have to understand that death is just a doorway unto resurrection life. Oh, that's a good verse. Death is just a doorway into resurrection life. Is that not the promise of the rainbow? The real rainbow? Is that not the promise of the seven colours that God hung in the sky? That death is just a doorway into resurrection life. That if we would go into the ark, even through the waters, He will bring us to resurrection life. Because He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And He is good. to finish. So let's stand to our feet. Can I close with Galatians 5? Maybe you want to close your eyes as I read this. speaks to the redeemed identity of humanity. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, will have to pay the penalty. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. 
but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That's dominion and desire. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, drunken uh, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the Kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Lord, I pray that You would reveal to each person here the true nature of their identity. That we might realise that in You, we've been made alive. That we have the Spirit pride would come to steal that identity, to make us believe that we're not who You say we are and do everything we can to fill that void. But what You have done in Christ Jesus is You have come to set us free so that we would know who we are that we would know that You hold us in the palm of Your hand and no matter what comes along in life, nothing can snatch us out of Your hand. And therefore we can trust You because You've done the work. Therefore we can serve others because You have done the work. And therefore we can die to our desires because You are enough. Fill us, Lord. Redeem us, Lord. I just pray right now that You would set people free. I pray right now for people in this room who have been addicted to pornography. Who've been living a lie. Who've been filling that void through the desires of the flesh. I just pray freedom over them right now in Jesus' Name. Freedom in Jesus' Name. Come alive, Lord Jesus, in their hearts. Let them know who they are. You created them to soar on wings of eagles, not peck around in the crud like chickens. Set them free. Set them free in the knowledge of their true identity in Christ. Lord, for those in this room right now wrestling with
Lord, for those wrestling with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. Lord, it's a hard cross to bear. I pray, Lord, right now that You would just come, that they would know that You are enough. that they are not alone in their suffering. They are not alone. They do not have a high priest who is unfamiliar with this. You are the one who suffered and died that we might know the truth. I pray that you would set people free in the fullness of their true identity in you. Lord, for people here, just really feel, especially for our young people, wrestling with social hierarchy, wanting to be cool, wanting to fit in, wanting to be a part of that group because actually inside they're terrified that people might know their deep anxiety. I just pray that you would set them free from that right now in Jesus' name that they would stand firm on the solid rock of Christ and stop buying into that, stop taunting others, stop mistreating others, but start to stand up for justice, start to stand up for mercy, start to stand up for love, start to hold their own friendship groups to account and say, no, 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 we don't have to be like this, let's love because we've first been loved. Put your light in their hearts and I pray for every single one of us here, Lord, that we would dethrone self, that we would dethrone pride in all the areas that it seeks to have mastery, that we would dethrone pride right now in the Name of Jesus and we would enthrone Christ as Lord of all, clean out every dark space in our lives. We repent of pride and where it is defining us. We lay it down. Help us to pick up our cross by the power of Your Spirit. Walk in humility, kindness and boldness that Jesus is Lord and His way is best because His love brings life. And all other roads lead to death. Let us walk in that light of life and love, we pray in the precious Name of Jesus, Amen. As we sing this song, if, if you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. So we've got our elders, if you guys could come forward, pastors, crew, prayer crew, if you'd like to come, we're going to spatter all the way around the room. And if there's, if you'd like prayer, if you'd like to just take a moment to speak to someone, whatever that might be, please come. We would love to pray with you as we declare praises. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, You can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving.
We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.